They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. A 105 or a 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground ball. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app good morning to you baseball fans it is me matt spiegel here with you on a sunday morning for Hit and Run, the score's venerable, not vulnerable, but venerable baseball show. Man, um, a lot to do today. Looking forward to it. We talked to Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, every Sunday morning around 9.45 or so. And then today, um, friends Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey, friends of each other and also uh, friends of the show, of the station, will be coming in and joining us as our guest co-host today. That means some White Sox conversation with those guys from 10 until about 11 or so. Looking forward to it. Chuck um, drove Eloy Jimenez from guaranteed rate to Wrigley the other day. Uh, We'll talk about Eloy a little bit. um, And that was entertaining and enjoyable. And Chuck been a part of those TV broadcasts for a while now. And Ryan, among other things, was on the White Sox cultural exchange trip to the Dominican this past offseason, which was really, really cool. Uh, So it seemed. I want to hear about that and about the Latin culture of the young White Sox. So we'll do that from 10 to 11 or so. Looking forward to it. And we'll get you ready for Cubs-Mets on Sunday afternoon, which will start in terms of pregame right here, about 10.45 or so after a very, very ugly one yesterday. And I've got stuff, as always, from around MLB, my favorite baseball story of the week. I love curtain calls on the road. We'll talk about that. I visited another ballpark this week. I am now at 20 total. That is not 20 active ballparks because there's some expired, extinct ballparks on my list. But I'm at 20 uh, after getting to another one this week. Want to talk about that with you and a whole bunch more. Your texts and phone calls welcome and, in fact, elemental to the very completion of the broadcast along the way. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. 6711 to get to us via text. It's crazy. Uh, By the way, at Twitter, uh, at Matt Spiegel 670 on the Twitters if you want to find me there. You know, I, I look around... The ERA, um, in terms of the worst starting pitchers in baseball, and the White Sox have four of them. The, the very worst two, in terms of qualified pitchers, Renato Lopez, the worst ERA in baseball among qualified starting pitchers, Ivan Nova right there after him. And if you add in the unqualified, and boy, has that word never been quite so true. Manny Benuelos is worse at 6.90. And Odrissimer Despagne at a 9.45 ERA. That's four of the very worst starting pitchers in baseball. Right there for the White Sox. And yet, with all of that, the lead is just how bad Jose Quintana is and has been 
right now for the Cubs. Over his last six starts, Jose Quintana, the former White Sox player, of course, has an ERA of 5.86. He's given up 42 hits, 23 earned runs in 35 and a third innings. That's over his last six starts. Yesterday was just, just embarrassing. Flat out embarrassing. And I want to talk about it with you and what it means and, and, and where you go, if anywhere, from here at this point for the Cubs. Because um, Quintana's just, just been really, really bad, and that was horrific. Here's, here's Joe Madden after the game. Adam Stadzinski on the board, and we appreciate his existence, his presence, his attention to detail. Here's Joe Madden talking about Jose Quintana and what was wrong with him yesterday. It looked like a lot, um, but here's what Madden saw. There was no finish on the pitches today. I mean, that's the best way I could uh, describe it. I mean, normally he has that carry at the end. Um, it just wasn't there today. I mean, that's, that's I know that may sound uh, ambiguous or obscure, but it's, that's what you see from the side where the ball jumps at the end or it doesn't. And uh, they were on him. They were just on him from the beginning, and um, it wasn't getting any better. So no carry on the finish of his pitches. That's something they actually mentioned with Kyle Hendricks, last time he was, he was out there and then he ended up on the injured list with the shoulder inflammation. Okay, so because here's the thing about Quintana. We've heard about the changeup being such a big part of it, but when he's rolling, it's also that his fastball is, is carrying a little bit better. It's finishing a little bit better up higher in the zone. It's that his curveball has a little more sweep to it. These are Theo Epstein's words um, early on in the season when Quintana had found his groove. Here's what's happening as well, and what is really distressing, because this has happened before with Jose Quintana. His changeup is getting worse. It's moving less. Bleacher Nation with a pretty nice write-up on this um, yesterday after that horrific start. Jose Quintana's changeup is getting worse because it's moving less. And so the changeup is being less effective, and he is therefore then using it less. And this is what happened last year. It, what has happened, it's what has happened several times in his Cubs career. It's why they work so hard every year to convince him to throw it more. Every spring, they say, Jose, um, would you throw your change up more, please? And then he nods his head, and, and maybe he does it, maybe he doesn't. This year, they said, um, we'd like you to not just nod your head. We'd like you to really genuinely throw it more. Oh, okay. And so he does. At least he did early on in this year. And then it gets worse. It moves less. It's less effective. And he falls out of love with it and starts throwing it less because he gets a little uh, afraid of it. And then he becomes incredibly predictable with fastball and curveball. It becomes somebody that you can just sit on and then destroy. And so by the time you are to the second or third time through the lineup, everybody knows what's coming. Yesterday, it was just right from the get-go. So that's even worse. Add into all of this that his fastball velocity is down. He's down around 91 or so. You get a big pile of fun right now from Jose Quintana, don't you? This is not good. This is not good. They're going to a six-man rotation, are the Cubs. Uh, unfortunately, right now, Quintana will be one of them. You um, Darvish, by the way, as I looked at the ERA and all those horrific ERA numbers for the White Sox, fifth worst ERA in baseball is you Darvish right now. It's, it's, it's rough going right now 
for the uh, Cubs rotation in regards uh, for Jose Quintana and a little bit for you, Darvish, as well. But, man, what do you do? What do you do? You throw Tyler Chatwood. You throw Adbert Alzale here in the six-man, which is something they do very, very often when things get tricky. Last year, August, September, they went to a six-man rotation just to stretch people out, right, get them ready for a postseason that didn't come other than the one-game Wild card. They've gone to the six man in the middle of the season a few times in recent years. 2016, they went to the six man using Adam Warren leading up to the All Star break, just trying to stretch guys out. Excuse me, Adam Warren, so I can say it correctly for those of you that need it. And they'll go to the six man again now, and then we'll see. Maybe an extra day will do John Lester some help. Maybe an extra day will do Jose Quintana some help. But right now, you just have to tell Jose to throw the changeup, even if he's afraid of it, even if he's scared of it and doesn't want to. He still has to throw it. That was really, really bad. 312-644-6767. I, I heard Kevin Zipak talking about what would have to happen for the Cubs fans to consider the Jose Quintana trade a win. And, and my answer for that as we had been discussing a little bit earlier in the week, I think brought it up with, um, with Mac and Parkins on Tuesday out there at Wrigley, you got to win a World Series. If the Cubs win a World Series with a Jose Quintana as a key part of your postseason rotation, you're going to look back on this as a win. And you know what? If it happens as well with you, Darvish, in your postseason rotation, you're going to look back on that and you're going to say, you know what? Without Jose Quintana's contract that was so advantageous, they couldn't have paid for you, Darvish. All of that makes makes sense, except when they're both bad, <laughs> when they're both really bad. And you know me, I, I, I've, I've said it this weekend a couple of times, the real problem with going out and trading Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana is that later on in the year when Justin Verlander became available and wanted to be a Cub, there was no prospect capital left to really make that happen. There was not. So Verlander kept holding out and holding out and holding out, and the Astros eventually came up with the package that went to Detroit instead. Verlander had eight minutes to make up his mind while out to dinner with Kate Upton about whether he would accept that trade to Houston or not, and he did, and it has worked out awfully well for Houston. He's not here. If you noticed uh, Justin Verlander not in that Cubs rotation. 312-644-6767 is your phone number. If you want to hop in and talk about some Cubs issues from that thing yesterday, that was ugly. Today is Cole Hamels, who has been the best pitcher for the Cubs over the last calendar year or so, including when he got here last year. Overall, the 27 starts that Hamels has now made, the ERA for the Cubs is well under three Going into the last start, it was at 2.68 for the 26 total starts. Now we're at 27 as we add that one in. He's been terrific. He's not your issue. And they'll need him today to be awfully good after yesterday. We could have some Craig Kimbrell news coming at some point today. We'll try and check in with our guy Bruce Levine over there at Wrigley. Because Kimbrell went again last night for Iowa. He started last night because rain was in the forecast. They wanted him to get that second in a row, in after going the night before on Friday through 19 pitches, 12 of them for strikes. Last night he faced four guys, gave up a home run, gave up a walk, 
Got a couple of outs, including a strikeout through 14 pitches, eight of them for strikes. Again, topped out at about 95 miles per hour. So I'm sure they'll see how Kimbrell feels today. And if he feels good, you could have news as soon as today that he might be coming up this week. I, I think Monday's too fast, but you could see Tuesday or Wednesday. Be pretty fun to have Kimbrell in your bullpen at Wrigley for a series against his former team, the Braves. When they've got Dallas Keuchel going, I think Keuchel is starting on Tuesday night for the Braves at Wrigley. So could be uh, could be some fun. And would be very, very welcome to see Kimbrell move into that bullpen right away now. That bullpen is a man short since they're going with the six-man. There is no long guy. And we'll see what the move is when, when Kimbrell comes up. It's... Uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Brad Brock throws an inning yesterday and gets three outs. Woo-hoo, man, that's the best Brad Brock has looked in a while. So maybe Brock is the move. Rowan Wick pitched yesterday, got an inning and two-thirds. Victor Caratini looked really good in his one inning of relief out of the bullpen. That's always embarrassing, man. Embarrassing to, to see the starting pitcher come in as you're getting blown out. And it's the position player as the, uh, as the reliever yesterday for Victor Carantini. He made one very, very uh, nice deal. Very nice defensive play, running to his right and then hopping up in the air and making the throw over to first. That's nice. That's probably uh, your highlight yesterday. That or Jason Hayward hustling home in the, ten, in the ninth inning, down 10-1. to one. Down nine runs. There's Jason Hayward hustling home on a wild pitch, or was it a passed ball as it ended up? Either way, Hayward hustling. You can point to that. In that Cubs bullpen, by the way, a big concern with, uh, with one guy you haven't even seen in a few days. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on Sunday mornings. Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey coming in at the top of the hour. Hey, if you're caller six right now to the scores contest line at 312-591-6700, you can join me next week as I broadcast Hit and Run live at the Chicago Dogs game Sunday, June the 30th. Winners receive a pair of tickets to the game, a Chicago-style hot dog for lunch, and a chance to throw out the first pitch. This is brought to you by the Chicago Dogs, where Every day is Fan Appreciation Day. Really looking forward to being there next week. We'll talk to Carlos Zambrano on the show. Talk to Butch Hobson on the show. That should be some fun. Come on out and hang out, even if you don't get a chance to win these tickets right now. We'll come back and talk about somebody struggling in that Cubs bullpen. He won't get removed when Craig Kimbrell comes here, but uh, maybe some pressure will be alleviated on him. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. That was hittable. Tim launches it right center field to Shields back and reaches out, can't make the catch. It's down on the ground, to her home. Here comes the third, and Tim gives it a long ride. Jason Benetti on the call last night. Tim Anderson with a bases-loaded double to clear him. He thought that one was gone. Later on, a solo homer for Tim Anderson. He thought that one was gone, too. That one was. White Sox had a 4-0 lead. Nope. Had a 5-4 lead. Nope. End up losing at 6-5 down in Texas. Lance Lynn gave up four runs in the 
first inning and then got it together and went seven innings for the Rangers. And there he was, Despagna, Odrissimer Despagna. He needs to stop pitching, not just here for the White Sox, but I think anywhere, pretty much. It's just, it's not working out for you, Odrissimer. I, I think maybe finding a little something else to do could benefit you and would benefit the White Sox. It's awkward to see these absolute bums in the rotation as of right now just swallowing innings and not really enough of them but they're there just to just to eat some innings and and get you through until next year when things are are much more important but it is awkward isn't it you know what you should do with those guys who are not very good like Despagna and and Banuelos and Ivan Nova should let Zach Collins catch them Collins caught last night for the, uh, for the first time. First start as a catcher with one of the bums, with Despagna right there. 0 for 4 with a strikeout at the plate for Collins. He saw 20 pitches, made the final out in a one-run game. The night before, in his first start as a DH, he went 1 for 4. His first official at bat was a home run. Also had 3 Ks, saw 22 pitches. It's really interesting to watch Zach Collins right now and try to figure out what the White Sox plan is short term. Because if he's here, he's got to play. So nice to see him play the last couple of nights, once as a DH, once as a catcher. And nice to have him be here with James McCann doing what he does, which is preparing like crazy, being an incredibly smart veteran catcher who has grabbed this opportunity with the White Sox, has James McCann, and now is formulating scouting, uh, you know, doing some scouting reports on his own, on the plane, working very hard before games, after games. He's, he works hard. He got Sebi Zavala up to speed. He is now trying to work hard and get Zach Collins up to speed. That's a beautiful thing when you have found a veteran catcher who's not just embracing his moment and improving the way that he is, but also willing and happy to show Zach Collins the ropes. I like that Zach Collins is here and up right now. He's got to play, and hopefully he will. He should have all of the at-bats that Yonder Alonso has had. I'd like to retroactively go back to the beginning of the year and give Zach Collins all those at-bats. But we can't do that. So we can do it right now. Yonder Alonso makes $8 million this year, $8 million next year. He does have a $1 million buyout on next year's season. I, I can't imagine that, um, that he will be here, Yonder Alonso. Why is what Siri, I didn't call you. That's really weird. Uh, my phone responding as if I had talked to Siri. Did I say anything that sounds like, hey, Siri? Adam Stadzinski, in my last 15 seconds, it's got Odrissimer, Despondi. That doesn't sound like, hey, Siri. I didn't notice it. Right? So I think your phone's just messing with you, man. What what would even sound like, hey, Siri? Uh, mm, Nigiri? No, I wasn't talking sushi at any point. That's very, very strange. Simmer down, phone. Got to watch out for that technology. Yeah, man. uh, They're alive! coming for you yeah man they, they, they've gotten self-aware this is i knew it was coming ever since i saw terminator 2 i knew it was coming eventually i guess it's now
All right. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. So Yonder Alonso needs to go away. He's two for 23 this month. Maybe he's not going to be going away, but if Zach Collins is here, I don't want him to play. Zach Collins can be a real, legit, lefty, run-producing bat at the big league level. I really do believe he can be. I don't know about hitting against lefties. I know that hitting against righties in his career in the minors, he has shown you some capabilities, and he's an on-base percentage guy. He's got a low batting average for his career in the minors, somewhere in the 230s, but it's a 378 on-base percentage in his career in the minors. And I want Collins to play, but the way that Ricky Renteria has spoken about this It doesn't seem like Collins is here for the long haul like Jimenez is or Moncada clearly was. You know, the way they're talking about it, it's just about the need of Wellington Castillo being out. Sox fans, you you can obviously chime in on this, and you should at 312-644-6767 or at 6711. When Wellington Castillo comes back, I don't want Zach Collins to go away. I mean, if, if you really want him to keep catching and keep playing all the time at catcher, then I guess you can send him down. But I think you could utilize him offensively a bit more aggressively when Wellington Castillo comes back. You don't have to worry about him being your second catcher and making sure that he stays alive and stays available on a nightly basis. Go ahead and play him at first sometimes. Go ahead and play him at DH. Go ahead and use him to pinch hit in key moments, knowing that you've got Wellington Castillo there. Uh, to back up James McCann. But God, or you could launch Wellington Castillo into the sun. I'd be okay with that as well. Castillo's making $7.5 million this year. He's got a buyout of $500,000. You could do that if you want to go ahead and launch him. I would like to second that motion. Right? Why not? Yeah, he can leave anytime. Anytime. And stop hitting in front of Tim Anderson or anyone for that matter. You are in a in an odd moment in your rebuild. It's really it's mostly a very good moment, obviously, but the odd moment is that you have some guys on that roster who just have no business being here when you're interesting and good, and you're approaching that. So the odd guys look really bad. You know what it's like? I realize as I'm saying it, we've seen this with countless neighborhoods in Chicago. As neighborhoods are becoming a little bit more gentrified or, you know, modernized, if you want to say it that way, and you see like a brand new, beautiful three flat with great balcony space that has popped up next to the very odd single family home that is like 80 years old and is still there. And you know these neighborhoods I'm talking about. And it's like, and, and it's fun for a while to see like the, the juxtaposition of the brand new three flat next to the really odd single family home with the old uh, fence around it. And like, you know, the, the 12 foot by 16 foot patch of lawn that somebody comes out and wearing a white T-shirt uh, and while smoking uses a manual lawnmower on. You know that guy. You've seen that guy. Maybe you lived next to him. I think I did when I was in, uh, in Bucktown 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And probably those single-family homes are gone. That's what it's like to see Wellington Castillo there. It's like, what, what is this? What is this building still doing here? Come on, we're modernizing. Give me another brand-new three-flat. Let's go.
It, it, it'll come. Eventually, it'll come. It, I, I really enjoyed yesterday uh, in the Sun-Times when, uh, when my pal Steve Greenberg, and what the Sun-Times is doing on Saturdays is pretty cool, by the way, folks, with your sports Saturday. When Steve Greenberg yesterday was dreaming about the, uh, the White Sox lineup in 2020, when the single-family homes should, should all be gone, the old ones. And, I mean, I'll do respect to you or your family if you have lived in any of those units that I'm talking about, be it in Bucktown or, or Bridgeport or wherever those kind, of, uh, those kind of neighborhoods have undergone the transition. And I'm not looking to eradicate them all, those homes, but from your baseball lineups, I am looking to eradicate them. And next year, this lineup could be so much fun, top to bottom. You could be looking at a lineup as, uh, as Greenberg had mapped it out. I liked it with Luis Robert, Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, Zach Collins, Tim Anderson, James McCadden. Maybe Nick Madrigal is here at the bottom of the order. Maybe Micker Adolfo. Maybe that's a reach, though, to think about because he's been hurt so much. But it could be somebody else. Maybe there's a veteran or two mixed in there still. But having all those guys there and being away from the likes of Yonder Alonso, being away from the likes of Wellington Castillo, will be a very, very welcome thing. This hour of 670, the score is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. And the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves would like to thank their loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you. And see you in October. Let's go to the phone lines. Talk to Daryl in South Holland. Daryl, you're on Hit and Run this morning with me, Matt Spiegel. What do you say, Daryl? Good morning, Matt. How you doing? I'm great. Hey, I was just calling in. I was just wondering, Zach Collins, the uh, Kyle Swarbrick for the White Sox. You know, left-hand hitting catcher, uh, suspect re- receiver. What you want is batting the lineup. Uh, you got more flexibility because he can DH. Uh, just your thoughts on that, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not a not not a horrendous um, not a horrendous comp in terms of uh, what the dreams and the possibility can. Remember, Zach Collins is a top ten pick. He was supposed to be here a little faster than this. Supposed to be a little better than he has been in the minors to this point. Um, but uh, you know, not, not not a horrific comp. Um, the fact that he can play first as opposed to left field. Like Schwarber obviously differentiates it, um, but Schwarber, the dreams are super high still on Schwarber, and I think understandably so. I really do. Um, Schwarber's had obviously incredible moments in the postseason, multiple postseasons has had some incredible moments, and I'm still, I, I, you know, I, I did this a couple weeks ago. I'm not giving up on Kyle Schwarber. I'm not giving up on him potentially becoming something truly great. And if you look at him right now, it's pretty damn good. This version of Schwarber is pretty good. You know how, how in the Cubs lineup, and certainly in a lot of lineups around baseball, everybody wants their hitters to be everything, to be what Anthony Rizzo is, where you swing for the fences for those first two strikes, trying to utilize your launch angle, hammer it over the shift, and and go deep. And then with two strikes, you want them to shorten up and become situational hitters, want them to become guys who morph from, uh, you know, um, they, they morph from Harmon Killebrew into Rod Carew, you know? This is, this is the dream now for everybody. They want everybody to be everything. And some guys can do it, like Rizzo. 
Some guys can do it, and some guys cannot. I still think Schwarber's one of those guys who can. And he's had some moments where he's shown you that ability to just sort of place the ball to the opposite field. Yesterday, there was a moment with two strikes. He tried to bunt against the shift and get a cheapy and bunted it foul and struck out. But I know they're not giving up on Schwarber, and I'm not giving up on Schwarber either. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for $3.79 every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Uh, Textures getting in at six seventy eleven. Uh, I don't have any thoughts on Zach Collins, but did Spiegel not realize that technology would become self-aware when he saw Terminator 1? Why did it take until Terminator 2 to have that epiphany? That's a fair question. I saw T2 before I saw T1. You know, I've never actually seen T1. T1 is, is good. It is dated. Uh, and it's a little slow, really. I find that, you know, uh, the, those ones, it's not dated in terms of the technology as much that you notice as it is in terms of the pacing, so it can be a little hard to get through. But, yeah, I think a lot of us saw T2 before T1. I never even considered watching T1. I mean, well, I was also, you know, I don't know how old I was when, that, when T2 came out, but that was the first one I remember. Yeah, you might, you, you might have been barely alive when T1 came out. You can look it up there, Adam Studzinski. You've got the magical powers of Google. Now, let's see here. Uh, Terminator 1, 1984. So, yeah, I was minus six years old. Okay, there you go. This texture says, wow, Spiegel, you're just full of positive energy this morning. My goodness, launching people into the sun and digging in on all that's bad. I noticed that myself. You know, I'm not usually, I'm not usually that guy, especially in terms of a baseball sense. But, boy, I looked around this morning, and I'm like, Wow, Quintana was awful. Darvish was bad his last time out. There are four starters with ERAs over six in the White Sox rotation. What, what are we doing around here? I need the sun. I need the sun and some more beautiful baseball days. We haven't had enough of them. I need more of them. I need interesting statistical nuggets from Chris Kampka. I need optimistic White Sox conversation from Chuck Garfine and, and Ryan McGuffey. I need your phone calls at 312-644-6767 and your, your texters at 670-11. need you guys to remind me all that is glorious in baseball. I can remind you of some stuff, too, along the way. There are, um, there are some beautiful stories around the game. I love curtain calls on the road, even when it's the Cardinals. That was great stuff for Albert Pujols yesterday. We'll talk about that later on as well. It is 670, the score. 312 644 if you want to hop in on Hit and Run. Chris Kampka joins us next for Camp Connections right here on The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's time to get ourselves Chris Cam connected as we do Cam Connections at this time every Sunday on Hit and Run. This is a cruel, cruel game, this baseball game. Chris Kampka, welcome in. The Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, Chris, I'm thinking about how cruel this game is as I'm looking at the game story from the Nationals and the Braves, where Mike Fultonevich, who was the ace last year for the Braves, was really bad and got dropped to the minors today. And Trevor Rosenthal, who four years ago saved 45 games, I think, for the Cardinals and was as dominant as any closer in baseball, 
just got released by the Washington Nationals. This, uh, this game will turn on you fast, won't it? Oh, yeah. I saw those headlines this morning. It was like, wow. I mean, just thinking about it, because Fulton Evich was incredible last year. Yes. In a game where he took a no-hitter into the ninth inning. Um, he was just the guy I'm figuring, okay, they're going to turn around this year. And, and they had, Well, they've turned around last year, but um, he's going to be like one of the anchors of this rotation. Yep. Uh, but they're in first place anyway without him. And, who knows? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it is I mean, crazy. From uh, from Manuka, Illinois, Mike Fultonevich, an ace last year when they won the division. They're winning the division again, and he's awful, and today he's in the minors. But that's not why you called, Chris Kampka. Happy Sunday to you. How's your week? Oh, it's not bad. Ready to start a new one, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we're going to um, take a look at the calendar today. Uh, June 23rd, mm-hmm. um, 35 years ago today, was the Sandberg game. Ryan Sandberg, five hits, two home runs, seven RBIs. He's the only Cub to do that since Frank Demery in 1936. And he's the only Cub to do it at all at Wrigley Field. He's one of six Cubs to hit two home runs in a game in the ninth inning or later. Hmm. And he was the third. There had been three after that. Um, Ron Santo did it in 73, Dave Kingman in 78, Sandberg. Sosa um, in 93, Dawson in 90, and then Schwarber's most recent to do it. Um, and, and he hit the two home runs off Bruce Suter, yes, who sir. had entering into that game, he was a combined two for two for 11. And his, it was just a double and a single. And the last time he faced them, he ended the game with a ground out. But from this game forward, he was six for nine with four home runs and a walk off of the future Hall of Fame closer. That's pretty awesome. We had a great hour yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine where we talked to Bob Costas and then talked to Ryan Sandberg. And I don't know if you caught it, Chris, but Sandberg said that those two pitches he homered uh, off Suter with were the only two pitches in his career where he thought about swinging up on the baseball using launch angle. His whole career, he was a guy who was taught and tried to hit the top half of the baseball and still would have power that way. But against Suter, who threw the split finger that would drop like a foot, a foot and a half, he genuinely tried to use launch angle on both of those home run balls and did so. Pretty cool. No, he didn't. Everybody knows launch angle was invented in 2015. Come on. Go here. By the way, if um, please check out... Podcast uh, Cubs Talk podcast is dropped today. It's Luke Stuckmeyer. He talks to a whole host of people, including Costas and Sandberg himself. So definitely check that out. Came out this morning. Uh, we also have our guy Eric Strobel did a good write up on the Sandberg game as well on our app, My Team's app. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, sticking with the theme of the calendar, June twenty third. Yes, sir. And Tim Anderson turns twenty six today. Okay, um, he happens to be the last White Sox player to home run his birthday. He did it last year. Um, he is one of two White Sox in franchise history to have 50 homers and 50 steals before turning the age of 26. Hmm. The other one's Carlos May. Uh, so Anderson, he, you know, he's having a career. He, it's a pretty, pretty great start to his career. Um, the White Sox had struggled bringing along position players, but he's definitely doing his part to stop that trend. Um, and, He's one of seven players in the majors this year, at least 10 homers and 10 steals. Only he and Christian Yelich are doing so while hitting 300. Although Whit Merrifield 
dropped to 299, so he might come right back in there. Oh, I like that. Um, seven, seven guys in MLB with at least 10 homers and 10 steals. Only two of them are hitting 300. That's Anderson and Yelich. Pretty cool. Yeah, and then Whit Merrifield is right on the doorstep at 299. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick, quick little note on Zach Collins, and this, one, this one's a personal favorite. So, of course, he was born 100 years to the day after Babe Ruth. February 6th, 1995. Of course, everybody knows that. Okay, so he's one of three White Sox that were drafted exactly 100 years after a member of the inaugural Hall of Fame class. So they've also drafted Chris Carter back in 2005 in the 15th round and eventually traded him. He was born 100 years to the day after Ty Cobb. And in 1992, the White Sox drafted Mike Lowell, who never signed, uh, in 1992, 48th round, he was born 100 years to the day after Hannes Wagner. And that note just blows me away. It's one of those useless trivia nuggets that I can't stop repeating. That is truly, truly useless, um, but I love it. So three times they have drafted people who were born 100 years to the day after a player from the Hall of Fame's inaugural class. Yeah, three of the five. They, now, I checked. They did not draft anybody born 100 years after the day, Walter Johnson or Christy Mathewson. Of course but you checked. three out of five is not a bad percentage. <laughs> of course you checked. That is, that is beautifully useless. I thank you for that, Chris Kafka. Yes, absolutely. All right, man. You're the goods. Have a great week. Thank you. All right, you too. All right, it's Chris Kafka joining us right there on Hit and Run for Camp Connections, our weekly hit where we let the Sultan of Stat go. Haywire and do whatever he wants. Um, boy, that's that's useless and fun. I, I had a great night this week, hanging out at Target Field. After seeing Cub Sox on Tuesday, I drove six hours with my wife on Wednesday, and we saw Red Sox and Twins at Target Field on Wednesday night. And you know, every time we talk to Campkin, I think about the stats and, and analytics and some of the stuff that's out there these days. Uh, I, I, I need to tell you the coolest thing they have at Target Field, which I don't know. And I, you know, I can ask my next guest as well whether we've seen this around baseball. Every batted ball has launch angle and exit velocity at Target Field. Right up there. Just a tiny little piece of the scoreboard, and you can look up and measure every single batted ball. And that was super fun. I, I, I like that place. Uh, my, my guy, Chris Tannehill, had told me to get walleye on a stick. I walked all the way around the concourse looking for walleye on a stick. I found walleye, no stick. But I did eat the walleye, and it was outstanding. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. Bruce Levine is going to join us in a couple hours as we get you ready for the Cubs game. Cub pregame will be on at 1245. But when we come back, friends from NBC Sports Chicago continue. It is Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey in to talk some White Sox next on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score.